Hey, everybody. It's Mike Carlson from Podcast the Ride. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Scott Gairdner. Hello. And Jason Sheridan. Hey. And we've got a little announcement. We sure do. Yep. We're launching our new podcast on an app called Spoke to give Spoke. you three exclusive episodes. Can you believe it? Three. I can't. Yeah. Don't don't believe it, but it's true. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. Well, how does that work, though? Well, I'm going to explain. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlists of clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. So they're all grouped by topics or themes is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for figuring that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, you could try like a playlist that's uh, like about music being decoded when it's playlists with clips about unpacking and analyzing and figuring out how people make songs and what. why are they so cool, you know? They also have one uh, called Spoke's Perpetually Single Playlist, dedicated to podcasts about relationships, or lack thereof, in my case. Sure, Jason, don't put yourself down. I want to, I want to, all right. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of things is what we're trying to say, and Spoke has, like, fun exclusive content from Feral, like our podcast. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now, free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Podcast the Ride's exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash podcast the ride. That's the address. Uh, Check it out. Spoke. It's time to spoke. Yeah, we're spoken. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable, you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. <music> Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, as always. I've tried to be other people, it never worked out. if you haven't listened to my show before, it is just what the title implies there. It is a conversation with me and someone interesting, or as in today's case, some people who are interesting. This is the first edition of our road trip series. Kelly Rose, my lovely girlfriend and photographer and videographer, and I, uh, thanks to people, the mighty people uh, who donated to our show, uh, were able to go up to Astoria, Oregon and interview a couple of people. Uh, some really great interviews there, and also Astoria, Oregon. Uh, today's episode, uh, we visited the Triangle Tattoo Shop and Museum in Fort Bragg, California. We spoke with Madame Chinchilla and Mr. G, who run that their fancy place. And uh, it's it's very different than my usual episodes, because there are four of us chiming in and uh, talking. Uh, Kelly Rose, who was taking photos, you could see those on the mattdwyer.com. Uh, page. Uh, this episode will have videos, a blog, and photos that go along with it at themattdwyer.com. I believe it will be under the podcast section, could be under the blog section. Haven't decided that when this goes up yet. Or, you know, when this thing I'm saying is actually not, a, you know what I mean. But um, 
So it was actually more of a conversation than my usual episodes. There's a few people uh, really uh, enlightening us on the world of tattoo. Uh, or, well, two, really. But uh, it's really great. Fort Bragg, California is a fantastic town. I actually uh, knew nothing about it. Uh, Heather Brown, who is the next week's episode, uh, was kind enough to put us up in an Airstream trailer and interest, introduce us to Madame Chinchilla and Mr. G uh, for this episode. And um, she put us up in an Airstream trailer. But you know what? All this information is on thematdwire.com. You can go look at the photos and videos. It's really... Uh, you, you'll get to see us talking with Madame Chinchilla and Mr. G and and see the tattoo museum. And in fact, I got my first tattoo there. Madame Chinchilla made me a man, as she likes to say. Uh, but uh, I'm really proud of this episode, and th these are two really great, informative people. I could have talked to them for a thousand years, and in fact, we went back and visited them uh, on our way back to Los Angeles. Uh, I, the incredible thing about this trip is I met so many wonderful people that I felt like I knew for years and that were friends and uh, I've missed them, and Madame Chinchilla and Mr. G certainly are two of these people. Uh, they're really incredible, and if if you're going to get a tattoo, especially if it's your first one, go to the triangle tattoo thing. I'm going to go back there for my birthday and get another tattoo. Maybe it's a comfort zone thing for me, but I really wouldn't want to get a tattoo anywhere else, and if you're getting your first tattoo, Madame Chinchilla was goddamn great. She was, uh, it was, it was uh, a quite a joyful experience. And, uh, but enough about my garbling. Go to thematdwire.com, check out some of the photos, the videos, and the blog about this episode, and listen to these fine people right now. Um, just to start off, would you both mind giving your names and saying, uh, exactly what it is you guys do? Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm Johnny Cash. No. <laughs> no, my name is, uh, Mr. G, and, uh, we've been tattooing, Chinchilla and I have been tattooing for 28 years, and we both were tattooed before that, and, uh, it was just a big adventure for us, and we Started in the summer of, or the spring of '86. You so. started th this your triangle tattoo. Uh, yeah, we started just jumped in, both feet jumped in, took an apprenticeship, and uh, started doing uh, motorcycle runs and working in shops closer to the city. Now, it is it you've seen an arc of maybe tattoos since you started and since now, which is. Because it didn't tattoos be more of, was more of a fringe sort of thing, and now it's like a very mainstream. Everybody in the world has a tattoo. Yes, yeah, it was very much a fringe thing. I think it started being less of a fringe, uh, become more common in the '60s and '70s because of a generation of people that were more open-minded, mm -hmm. and then also yeah, nonconformist, and and so it was a form of rebellion. And it started in the 60s around the flower power and people flocking to these communes and everything. And Janis Joplin uh, appeared on television, like Dick Cavett with some tattoos. And 
than some of the other bands back in the 70s or that 60s. That must have too. been, for a woman, and maybe I'm completely ignorant, but like for a woman to have a tattoo in the 60s must have been kind of like mind-blowing, no? Well, yeah. It, it was uh, always considered, uh, for women to be tattooed, it meant you were had low standards, that you were a vamp or a whore or something. And in a lot of cultures, it's still that way. Like in the southern hemisphere, a woman with tattoos is a whore. And uh, it's just taken a long time to change that. Because even as a kid, I would see guys with tattoos, and and you know that's it. You would there was always the assumption that they were a little dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they were. They, they they were because the people that were doing them had lived a little more of a uh, a rougher life, and things were more wild and dangerous back then as far as violence. And uh, they were in bad neighborhoods because no one, you couldn't make money or living off of a uh, tattooing unless you cut your overhead down. So you had to be in a rugged area. So they usually were somewhere between a bar and a barber shop in a bad part of town where the flop houses were and the whore houses. And they, um, they survived there. And, you know, a lot of those places were where seaports where sailors and soldiers would come on leave and they always made a lot of money off the military because people didn't know what to do they had like a couple days and a little bit of money what do you do you go and uh, get stewed and screwed and tattooed <laughs> and that's basically what it was you know it's just a moment of recklessness and uh, and rebellion against mm -hmm. the, the the you know the standards after a lot of men that were in World War Two, and and a few women too, uh, you know, they thought they were gonna die. They didn't give a shit about the old values. They they did it for camaraderie, and so they would all get something together as a few friends or a group, on a dare. But it made them bond, and so. But then those people, even World War One, and then those people would come home and have those tattoos, and then they would have to hide them the rest of their life because they were never. Uh, a good subject in the family. That's yeah, because that's interesting. Because I remember, like as, again, as a kid, you'd that was the other thing is you would discover somebody had a tattoo, and you'd be like, "Oh, Mr. Shower uh, has a tattoo on his." And it, that was always the story. It's like, "Oh, he got drunk in the city." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and and that was a, that was a thing, you know. He didn't have it, and that's that's uh, a wrong. It's not pro um, correct because a lot of people put thought into those, and it was a just. A good excuse to, to end the conversation and mm -hmm. not to take responsibility for it like yeah blame it on something else <laughs> because it you know I remember when I was growing up I had an uncle that was tattooed and my mother on occasion of uh, Easter dinner or Christmas dinner would make him roll his shirt up and show me that and she would preach to me about never do that I remember reading you uh, reading th that story and because uh, my grandfather had a tattoo he had an anchor tattoo and he always told me don't do this it's the worst mistake I've ever made and the funny thing is most of my life because I loved him so much I was like I should get an anchor tattoo <laughs> in honor of him well yeah yeah it's well it, it doesn't make sense when you lay down those stick strict rules like that I mean I there was you know things have changed a lot we have a lot more information than we used to have but when we're we were growing up in the 50s and previous to that, you know, you're more isolated. We didn't have television yet. Uh, 
we didn't travel a lot and everything. So family, you know, had a lot of control over what you were doing. So, you know, some of that stuff would stick, that warning about what not to do, like your grandfather telling you not to do that. And if you didn't see all the exposure on what happened in Rolling Stone magazine or, or MTV, and now it's just everywhere, you know, but back then it was uh, very different. And then the circus played into that too because uh, people never saw tattoos. I mean, it got wiped out really good. The church, uh, 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 the Catholic Church and their uh, campaign against uh, all other religions and beliefs and stuff stamped it out pretty hard for like four or 500 years. And yeah, because even the Jewish religion, you can't even get buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have a tattoo. And it's But then isn't there other cultures and religions that you can't get buried in it. That's a myth. <laughs> oh, is it really? It's a myth. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta do some peddling and begging and throw a little cash around. Yeah, oh, just like the rest of the world. Yeah, just like the rest of the world. Yeah. And then that's so funny because well, I guess I don't know a lot about Judaism, but I know the laws and it's a, a based on laws. And then you got all the that religion seems to be lawyers that preach it right right <laughs> so then you got all your laws and everything but those laws that have very little to do with real life anymore they're just so separatist they're trained to you know separate people and the marking of the body was a way to separate back then during those crusades uh in fact in christianity uh during the crusades they were uh trying to knock out all these older indigenous cultures in Europe and in the Middle East and that was a way of identifying the enemy but and then on the flip of that they would go and get Coptic uh, tattoos in while they were in uh, the uh, Holy Lands. What is a Coptic? Coptic is a form of Christianity that started out in Egypt well it didn't start in Egypt it just migrated to a small area away from the, the Holy Lands so the Coptic Church is the oldest Christian church in the world, but predates Rome. And uh, they were, you would, there's some scriptures in the, in the New Testament where they talk about you shall wear the mark of the Lord. You should not be ashamed to declare your Christianity. So people in the early first centuries would go to visit the Holy Lands and get a mark that they'd been there. And there's several Coptic tattoos that are crosses and refer to uh, Christianity. Wow. Some of them even, I think, I believe, and I could be completely wrong, they even marked it on their forehead, they even put a cross on their forehead, because the the uh, early cultures there, the women always marked their faces and stuff. Wow, that's incredible. And to do, and Madam Chinchilla, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, how did you, what, how old were you when you got your first tattoo? I, I was, I, it was in 1967, 68, I don't know, somewhere in, around in, there. And I so, was in my mid-twenties. Mid yeah. so, and to do that in that, what part of the country were you in too? In Seattle. Seattle. So Seattle was a little bit more, I mean, it's always been kind of a little more free-thinking town, right? Well, it's like San Francisco or any, any uh, university <laughs> town. Yeah. yeah. Just because talking about like uh, the Janis Joplin thing and stuff, I mean, that must have been, was it a brave or like sort of a bold statement to, for, for you to make at that time? It was, yes, but I was also a stoner. 
<laughs> I was really stoned on grass, and I was doing a Timothy Leary thing, turn on, tune in, drop out, and just, you know, that was part of it. And, and the tattoo parlor was downtown, First Avenue. Like Mr. G said, they were always in low-rent districts. And I went in, I wanted a, a heart tattooed on my cheek. And I'm so glad that the guy had social responsibility. He really cared face? about me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so he refused to do it. So instead I had him tattoo my hand, just on my hand. Uh -huh. And that was, you know, um, that satisfied me. I threw the money at him and called him a fucker. <laughs> and I ran out the door holding my hand, crying. It hurt so bad. And um, many years later, 20 years later, I was able to thank him for not tattooing my face, which was nice. Awesome. Yeah. In, in general, is it when you see, because, and maybe this is my small brainedness, but I, there was a woman in my old neighborhood, and a very beautiful woman, and she had a lot of face tattoos. And I think the initial reaction of of a lot of people is, uh, oh my God, why'd you do that? <laughs> and not that that's m my place to judge, but I think that's how a lot of people react. And I was just curious, like, is that? Oh, it's it's antisocial. It doesn't have any uh, place in our culture, and so it's it's uh, what do they call that sociopathic. So <laughs> it's it's only recently that people are, in the last twenty years, are messing around with it. But it doesn't fit in our culture. It, it, the older cultures, that was a par part of their status, the part of their uh, religion for the afterlife, and, and uh, you know, they had to be recognized to pass through certain gates in the afterlife, and if they didn't have the marks of the tribe, then they wouldn't make it. Right. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how I look, I mean, not I, but like, people look at it as like, oh my God, that's a terrible thing, you, you marred your face, but then maybe people, you know, 50 years ago were like, oh my God, you got a exactly. tattoo on your back. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like... Yeah, well, they and they think it's cutting edge, and, uh, but uh, uh, being in the business, it's not good for business. It uh, keeps that old stigma that you were talking about right. going, and so there's, it's double-edged sword there. We're trying to, you know, survive and make a living at it, and then people are just holding it back. With, when they do the shocking things, mm -hmm. they're, they're alienating people. Well, I don't totally agree don't, with that. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> well, what do you think? Yeah. Well, we have a couple of young men who have had their faces tattooed. And I was, I don't know, I'm still sort of in the social stigma a little bit, not, not much. So I was thinking, oh my God, people are going to think this is just a strange place. And then I had to like get myself together and realize that, hey, we're cool. We're going to have these people come. And we did. We had them come. And personally, I have to look past their tattooed face into their eyes to like, you know, connect because I think it's a wild thing to tattoo your face, truly. And um, once I can do that, I think it's fine. And I actually thought it was pretty good for our business because mm -hmm. people came here out of curiosity and they were able to see that this guy was really just another human being, 
you know mm -hmm. and and he, they are they are they just happened to have tattooed their faces when they were 18 years old and on acid or feeling just wild you know and they forget that they have these tattoos on their faces mm -hmm. but like they are just people just like anybody else and they're doing it for that shock value well, they so, did. You can't get the shock value anymore. So the faces and yeah. hands is that other little accent that makes more shock value. So when you're young, you're trying to make a statement and you want it to be really out there, I think that's why you, the young people are tattooing their faces because it's such a rebellious act and it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no. As I mean, I think of the things I did when I was 21 and. If I had to be held accountable for that until to, today. <laughs> thank God the internet really wasn't prevalent back then. That's all yeah, I can right. say. <laughs> That's right. And Madam Chinchilla, how did your tattooing progress? Like, is where it became like, that's what you wanted to do as an art form? Oh, I didn't want... Okay, so I was 25 when I got my first tattoo and I was totally away from tattooing. Until I was 40, until I met Mr. G. Until you were 40? Yes, yes. So all these, most of these tattoos came... Oh, at the age of 40. Wow. Yes. Yeah, That's I'm incredible. an older chick now. <laughs> older tattooed chick, but not, not as heavily tattooed <coughs> as the younger people. Yeah, I have female it, I have friends who, you know, neck down. Everywhere. Yeah. Right, right. And some of the fads that we see now are things that we didn't even do. Uh, like a lot of people are getting things on their rib cage and that part of their torso that to us that was just not important it was a space that was difficult to do and and very few people had their sides you have your front and your back and they usually ignored the side mm -hmm. and uh, now that's one of the first places young people go and there's just you know that different fads and trends but I go, where the hell are they coming up it's a hard tattoo to do it's hard to stretch and they want big crazy things or big words you know so it's, it, it's attractive it's pretty cool looking do, do you is there a difference in like because um i believe heather brown the, the mutual friend of ours she was saying that the way some kids that like some of the younger people do tattoos these days is incredibly different than say the way you two do them like some people are a lot more harder i guess i don't i don't know i don't know any well they're revisiting an older style uh, they're trying to do what was around in the early uh 1900s to the early 1950s uh, their heroes are a lot of these drunks from the 1950s you know <laughs> you know they got the pinups and the ships and the and then they put their own like little new new school twist on it where they, they have a zombie on the ship or something you know just put <laughs> it's yeah it's it's big and bold three-eyed owls and stuff like that so they're taking something bold and cartoonish and then they're uh whereas when we started there was a whole movement to try to do go to realism and and fine lines and and rendering that was you know in detail a lot of depth and shading and stuff and and small when we first started the tattoos some of the tattoos were the size of a quarter or 50 cent pieces younger people the younger professionals don't do things that small very rarely that's interesting and you also i mean i don't know if most people think of like 
there's different movements of tattoos, like sort of like with painting and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something I mean I never even thought about. Oh that. yeah, there's some yeah there's some movements and and it started you know in the, probably the 80s were fine artists in Europe, and Europe was way behind the the, the they didn't have much of that 60s influence and everything. They're a little more, would you say parochial or something? They hung on to the that the tattoos were nasty and um, they didn't start getting into it till the 1990s really and then they went whole crazy all over it so they as some of the fine artists from like vienna and paris um, and berlin started doing these massive uh very like realistic paintings and things giant one fellow came from paris one time and he chartered a large commercial plane luxury plane and flew everybody over to a show and then all the pieces were at least a back piece and very realistic where some of them were done in all different uh, tones of a certain like a off uh, magenta or something like mm-hmm. that and it, it would take three people to create one piece really so each person had just like a portion of a of a face and it would only read that way if three different people stood together. Oh, that's beautiful. That's incredible. It's really incredible. Do you think people in general, like most people don't understand the level of art that goes into the tattoo world? Oh, they understand now. They didn't when we started. They didn't think tattoo was art. Uh, we were the first artists to move into Fort Bragg. And, um, and then uh, a couple of well, one gallery moved in, and they didn't consider us artists. So what I did is I took and photographed a tattoo, several tattoos that Mr. G and I had done, and blew them up, like 12 by 12, and I had an exhibit. Awesome. Just to show people that, yes, it is art, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, you know, we sort of had to prove that it's art. This is art. Do you yeah. do you feel like that's still a, a bit of a struggle, that, that for people to understand that or? No, I think that a lot of people understand that now. It's so out in the media. Yeah. Everything is out there now. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, even like people like my mom or like my parents and stuff have found the artistic aspect of it. Yeah. You know, in. Uh, just because of me, you know, because I have tattoos and they, when I first got my tattoos, they were just like, no, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And then over time you're like, these are really beautiful mm-hmm. and I get it now, you know? And it, it makes a lot of sense. So I think the younger generation is kind of helping that for Absolutely. sure. So I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I don't know what the hell we're just talking about. But yeah, I, I agree. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I'm glad you agree. I concur. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. So when Mr. G, when you went and got your first tattoo, how was that like? Was it sort of almost a thrilling, titillating, like, oh my, I'm going against my mother? <laughs> it was very, very exciting, because I had never seen a tattoo shop before. There were very few of them. It, probably in the, I was see tattooed in the early '70s. There were probably only five or six hundred tattoo shops in the world. In the world. So, Do you think that many? I wouldn't think there'd even be that well, many. Well, that I think that's number's been thrown out there before. But, huh. 
uh, I'm, some of these cities now have more than two or three hundred shops just for like Frisco, the Bay Area. When we started tattooing, there were only four shops there. I think there's more tattoo shops in Los Angeles than there is churches. But I'm not even, that's not even a joke. I mean, they're yeah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I started doing numbers in my head. Uh, your, uh, t your first tattoo. Oh, yeah. First tattoo. So anyway, I love bluegrass music. And I was in Cincinnati and, and they had a place there. I call it Hillbilly Town. But it was all the people that moved up from Appalachia to work in the factories and the machine shops in the Cincinnati area. And uh, there was a really uh, a old neighborhood there below the Rhine on the river. And they had some bluegrass bars there. And so I, I'd go down there and drink some slop and get crazy. <laughs> and I was trying to find my truck one night and I walked by a shop that just appeared overnight. It was such a rough neighborhood. It was an old, big old barber shop, but what they had to do was put glass over, or plywood over their glass so people wouldn't break in and steal their stuff. And then I uh, went back the next day and uh, was there before they opened. And uh, I waited a little bit and these guys rolled up on these choppers and uh, I was excited. And I, I'd never been around real bikers that had, uh, BMWs and Hondas, but never shoppers, you know. And these guys had little 38 snub nose uh, guns tucked in, long hair. And yeah, I was real excited, but I was a big fear of the pain. So I wanted to just put dip, dip my toe in the water. And I picked out a little rosebud. And that, that wasn't even halfway done, and I wanted a gigantic dragon. <laughs> so I think the fear, you know, uh, that's a way of controlling. The parents control you. That they tell you stories of how they passed out, or how much they hurt, or how they wish they never had done it and stuff. And I was excited, so I wanted a big tattoo. And they said, "No, you have to wait and come back tomorrow," which was a smart move because I went and bought ten people with me. Wow. I was so excited about it because it didn't. The pain was so manageable, and I really thought it was beautiful. And, and the designs, all the this flash on the wall, the designs on the wall was just so cool, you know. Did you know at that moment that that, that was going to be a life for you? No, no, I couldn't even imagine that. But uh, soon after that, uh, I, I, that I, it cost money to do that, <laughs> so I ran out of money in two days, right. And then it didn't, that seemed plenty. Two tattoos seemed plenty for me. And um, then I moved to Seattle and I started renovating uh, construction, renovating the Pike Place Market. And that's the place where Chinchilla got her tattoos was on First Avenue there. And so I was there for four years and I kept seeing these tattoo guys. And I actually helped build, rebuild two tattoo shops there. And I watched this guy, Danny Danzel, come and go a lot. And he was a cool cat, and he was from the 30s, the 20s and the 30s, and he was still doing it in the 70s. And he had a fedora hat, and he had had some kind of throat cancer, so he had a uh, one of those talking boxes, yeah. and a uh, ascot, and a little pencil mustache, and just a cool guy with that fedora hat. I always, go, I was wondering, what color is that? Because it was like metal flake car colors. And then he wore these shirts, white shirts that had uh, ink art on them, like the senior cords and things. 
So he had all these beautiful white shirts that he would uh, do his advertising on. So he had, you know, a, a number, name of the shop, and a dragon or something on the back of this white shirt. And I was just, I was just digging on it, and then to make a big step. So I, I, I was up there ten years, and I moved down here, and I wanted to do something artistic. I'd been doing construction at, at that time, 20 years. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to just be an artist or something. And I looked at everything. And the uh, too many stained glass artists, too many. Well, and when I say an artist, I wanted to make a living. I wanted to be, have some kind of a craft thing where uh -huh. I could sell my art and make a living. And so I, the idea crossed my mind, tattoo artist. So... I still hadn't moved down here, so I went up into those shops and started talking to him, uh, talking to them about uh, what it took to be a tattoo artist, and they just said, take an apprenticeship, take an apprenticeship. So basically, when I came down here, I found a, someone who had worked in Seattle, and he, his name kept coming up, so I threw down everything I had, all my cash, to learn how to tattoo. And I, we starved for a few years because it wasn't popular yet. So it was a hustle, you know. We had brown rice. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, but you know, the brake job on the truck, you know, it's kind of, will, we, will yeah. we be able to stop the truck? Or, uh, you know, we had zero, zero weeks and months, you know, sometimes. And we'd go to work. and it, Well, we were growing grass, too. Mm -hmm. On the Do side. you want to take that out? <laughs> Everybody was doing it. You know? I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't well, get a dime off of it. Just that a shit. little bit. Yeah. No. It was. The the laws were so bad back then. It, you had to be a With pretty me. big outlaw to survive because they had such a, a large force against a camp, uh, California, again uh, anti marijuana program. They had so many helicopters and militia out there that you couldn't make yeah. money at it at all. God, that seems so hilarious in, in retrospect. Like, I mean, now it's just, yeah, yeah. it's everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. Well, tattoos are everywhere. Yeah. So so we were kind of pioneering, dabbling in that. And I found it unsuccessful being in construction. I, I was used to a check every week, you know. I could miss a few weeks of work in a year, but I needed those checks and so tattooing eventually took off. We moved to Fort Bragg, and uh, that was a big step because we had a trailer, like a circus trailer, that we took to, to street fairs. An and, Airstream, like the one you oh, see. Yeah, yeah, we had a 1953 exactly. Airstream. And uh, we gutted it out and put four stations in there, and we, and we went to all the motorcycle rallies in California. And that's really good for getting visibility because uh, bike magazines are there, motorcycle magazines. And it was a good place for me to learn how to tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Everybody well, was fucked up. Well, everybody was fucked up and all they wanted was a little souvenir. They wanted just, they all, well, their money was gone, you know. You, you, you paid to get in, you buy some stuff, food for the weekend, and then uh, you're broke. So the tattoo was leftover, <laughs> leftover. so you know, $40 tattoos hello we'll get back to the conversation in one moment i just want to take this time out to encourage you to go to my conversations with matt dwyer page at feral audio and click on the amazon link and put that in your toolbar uh, anytime you purchase anything through that amazon link conversations with matt dwyer and feral audio get a kickback of that money a small percentage and but that helps us buy recorders 
and other equipment. Uh, I need a new recorder, cords. We always need something. It also helps us, uh, I don't know, keep, keep lights on and sometimes put food in our belly. So anytime you're buying your shaving stuff, toilet paper, cleanser, you know, you, you can get a discount on those things on Amazon, and it helps support Feral Audio and Conversations with Matt DeWire. Please put that in your toolbar and do all your shopping, underwear, toothpaste, movies, through Amazon and my Amazon link there at the Feral Audio page, and we get a kickback of that. Thank you. Okay, back to the conversation. Thank you. I love you. Yeah, you said something that interests me, Madam Chinchilla, because it is, I'm like, when you're learning how to tattoo, I mean, is, is, because you're, how do you, how do you learn? <laughs> like, I'm somebody, because it's like, I'm sure, I'm not saying, I'm sure somebody at some point makes a mistake, or does, I mean, does that happen? It must. <laughs> you mean, oops. Oops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they wanted Virginia and you put vagina. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's really good. I like um, that. <laughs> uh, Mr. G started taking the apprenticeship. I was really not into being a tattoo artist then. I still was living in the stigma. You know, I was raised in a middle class, upper middle class Jewish square, mm -hmm. and I was still kind of in that. I started breaking out of that, and as I was breaking out of that, I started writing about tattooing. And um, then I wanted to, I was photo, I was making a documentary of him learning how, and then all of a sudden I wanted to learn. So he just set me up and we, we took the drunk guy and the trailer at the bike <laughs> run and set him in front of me. And I just, oh God, it was I'm an glad. Eagle. I think it was yeah, a little eagle. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't Madame Chinchilla then. You know, he'll never, I'll never say what. Well, my he name wanted was to in. marry you, and they get offered you a hundred dollar tip. Yeah, <gasps> and I bad. wouldn't accept the tip because he was drunk. And we we yelled at her. You always take your tips. Yeah, so. he had a stack <laughs> yeah. of hundreds like this, right? Yeah, he did. But he I just, tip. you know, I I had morals. I couldn't do it. You were done. You're not. You were not well trained yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was. So Mr. G gave me his his buttock, and his whole thigh, and that's where I really started learning how to tattoo on him. It was very, very mindful and kind of him. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We had a lot. You know, back then we were starving. You, you hear we were about never starving. Well, no, no, I'm not talking about starving. We were starving for canvas. We were oh, starving yeah. for stone. Our craft, we didn't have enough people to tattoo. And, and uh, so we, I let her have my leg because I had a lot of skin. A lot of canvas. <laughs> yeah. that's a, but that's an incredibly beautiful gesture. Yeah. Truly. That is, romantic. you could, yeah, that's a very, that's love. Oh, I'm glad uh -huh. I did that in my 40s. So. <laughs> um, and because and, you mentioned you were writing about tattoo, and that's, did tattoo bring you to places that you didn't, because you're a published writer, you're both published writers, you have a book. I have more than one book. You have books. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and that, did you ever, when you got into tattooing, did you ever think, oh, it's going to, I mean, it took no. you to places you never thought. 
No. We yeah. we were inspired by those people. Like we really, there were no books back then. There were no magazines. There was just the magazines were just starting and they were very low quality. So we were really uh, aspired to uh, someday. Like one of the things we aspired to do is have an appointment book. We thought that was big <laughs> shit. <laughs> this guy is so popular, he has to take appointments, you know? That's and right. a calendar and, and to do some pieces where you plan them out way ahead and everything. That was. And that was part of that writing thing, like, well, someday maybe we can write a book. And uh, and they were people that we followed, like Ed Hardy, you know, that he had some great, uh, and he still does great uh, publications for tattoo history and tattoo art. And uh, that was a circle that we were very privileged to be around because that was in San Francisco. And that's kind of like where our mentors were in San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, him and Lyle Tuttle and our, our teacher, Bert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that uh, was what Henry was Goldfield on. and uh, Captain Dawn. And, yeah. and the people that weren't even tattoo artists were doing things like um, Research Magazine or re- the Research Book. They did a whole thing on modern primitives yeah. and... and uh, that stuff was real inspiring, and, and it was very uh, vernacular in a sense, is you just write about what's going on, what's happening. You're not trying to create much. You're just kind of reporting. Right. And so that it, it came along, and, and Chuchola had written poetry before that. So she kind of did po- poetic little snippets of uh, tattoo experience. And that's For newspapers and... And magazines and the writing is incredible like I've definitely read a lot of your stuff from uh, various articles Mr. G and uh, yeah they were on that blog yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's and I, I, I didn't I just I was as a person who writes himself I greatly admired you as a writer like I, Thank you. I was a little jealous <laughs> I won't lie to you I was like and you were telling me before we started recording and it I don't know it, I don't know why it, it moved me but you said that you you had uh, I forget what you did. A- oh, a- I'm gonna f it up. What is ADHD. it? ADHD. Yeah, yeah. I had problems in school, and uh, I went came from a real small town where they just encouraged you to. Uh, I didn't was never encouraged to write. I hated writing. I cheated on uh, book reports or whatever. You know, writing was not a strong skill. But uh, at some point in my life, I liked to read. Uh, Books by Kesey and uh, I think Ken Kesey and uh, that other guy, you know, the other guy on the bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, shit, yes, I know. No, well, I the uses the three periods there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a, free, a flow of thought, flow of thought, you know, and, and then very little editing. And then, you know, the, nut, the other thing that makes writing a lot easier for me is to have a computer. Because, you know, I was never really good at typing and then to cut and paste and yeah. everything. So to be able to just throw a whole startup of an idea and just throw it in a file somewhere and come back to it or pull a paragraph out of it is nice. It, it, writing, I mean, I, when I, was in, I went to college for a few years, Bible college in Tennessee. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So to be, it's, you know, I had trouble doing all that college shit stuff. I just... Just uh, um, my background wasn't 
academic at all. I didn't come from an academic family. Neither of my parents finished high school. No one in my family had finished high school, and I was the first person to go to any type of further education. So, you know, I think it's the background you come from, you know, where you kind of get a little bit of skills. Yeah, I think too, I mean, I mean, and I relate a lot to your story because I too, I struggled through, I should not made it out of high school, I, but I felt like writing, like later on, like creativity was something, but like everything that went on academic was just, I was just like, I fucking, my brain isn't operating. <laughs> right, right. But I wasn't, you know, I wanted to learn, I just didn't want to learn by the way they taught. Like, I, it just seemed like bullshit to me. <laughs> well, I think that the writing to me is just putting down all these stories that roll around in my head. Like, we were talking about my first tattoo or whatever. The, I, I like to tell stories. And that's maybe uh, something that influenced me a lot is from these old farmers and these old settlers and old musicians, barn musicians and things, was to be a good storyteller. And that's the neat thing about tattooing. Most of the great tattooers were storytellers. And they exaggerated. And, and <laughs> Bert, Grimm, Bert Grimm was known to be a big storyteller. Like he t supposedly tattooed uh, Bonnie and Clyde. And he supposedly uh, did all these things, you know, like with Buffalo, uh, Wild Bill Buffalo's uh, traveling... Um, show and all this so a lot of these guys are just storytellers big stories and I always liked that as a kid like I'd meet somebody that could tell a story and I go well, I want to be like him you know you know I didn't make a big declaration but when you're growing up you go that guy's cool I like storytellers or people that can make people laugh or whatever and uh, everybody has a, a, a little thing that they get you know, from life. Some people like to smack people. <laughs> when you're skinny and little, you, you gotta learn how to be a, a, a sidestepper like Pee Wee Herman in the movie, you dance on the bar. Uh, you gotta you gotta catch people off guard and stuff and try not to get hit too many times. I've been hit about a dozen, but head injuries, that's what I'm claiming. Yeah, I'm good at getting hit too. Uh, started as a kid and just kept going. Um, and one of your books isn't you, and forgive me for I'm not remembering the gentleman's name, but you wrote a book about a sword. sword. Oh, Captain Captain Don Leslie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just um, I just put it together. You know, I'm just his biographer. Mr. G's right in there doing it with me. And he was. Yeah. What was a little bit of because it really seems like an incredible man. <laughs> oh, he is. He's, he was a sword swallower. What else was he? Uh, he? He did the ten in one. He did more than sword swallowing. If you were, first of all, you start out as the tattooed, you know, the tattooed sideshow attraction. But if you can be a tattooed sideshow attraction and swallow a sword, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then if you can do fire as well, it's like double wow. And so he learned to do 10 different things. A minimum, yeah. Yes. Wow. And um, it's all in the book. I mean, he, he, he's probably one of the most interesting people I've ever met, other than Mr. G or my mother. Really. And, and he was the last. He was the last of what they call the mud shows or the wet yeah. canvas lot shows. It's called, uh, we had the, 
to roll that whole show up, you'd be on a season, which would be anywhere from six to nine months, day and night, roll it up, do it all over again. Roll it up, do it all over again. So you did everything. You drove stakes, you uh, cleaned up shit from the elephants, you had to do everything. And you got paid, if that was a success, you got paid a little more than, and sometimes you didn't get paid at all. And uh, it was, uh, he ran away and joined the circus, and that was the end of the circus was when television started. So that ended in the 50s. And so he coincidentally started in the 50s. And, uh, and now, you know, it's these kids, they have more tattoos than he had. <laughs> yeah, he had the chest piece, the back piece, and he, he worked those pieces into his show. Like he... They had a stall or something, say someone was having trouble getting their act together. And he would talk about, he would just come out on stage and talk about his back piece, which uh, was, he had about 15 different versions of story with different times, you know, he'd get into it real deep. And he could just start off where they tell a story about this uh, torn love or something, and this woman's clinging to the rock of ages and shipwreck and, yeah, you know. So it's, it's, anyway, he was a, a showman, or like show business. And it's, it's an odd thing too, is uh, when he uh, had cancer and he was dying from actually having all that gasoline in his mouth for all those years and smoking, um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt donated money to uh, him because of wow. his, his show business spirit, his, his strength. And they were doing passing the hat around L.A. And Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt were getting tattooed at Mark Mahoney's Shamrock Club. And they heard these people talking about it. And they dug deep in their pockets and gave some money to help make his life a little more comfortable. I thought that was great. And it made him feel good because it was like from one showman to another showman. That's incredible. Yeah, so he was a character. Yeah, he was a survivor. And he... You know, they all. Everybody has their mess ups. You know, what <laughs> he was. He was not not a good family man, and uh, he he didn't have a good family. To his family was a circus. And, yeah, and that's a great story, and that's a great thing to comprehend. The all these people come together and make it work, and they're really close. People that run the circuses uh, are a lot of them are old Europeans. And very religious, a lot of Catholic uh, Europeans in the, the circuses, and very strict. So, you know, somebody is on the fringe of society, gets sucked into a circus, all of a sudden they have a mama and a papa, patriarch and a matriarch, and things to do right, and rules. A lot of rules. We're talking about the uh, Hebrew thing. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of rules in the circus. Uh, it, gives you, it gives you a big foundation. It's funny, because Kelly and I were talking about that family. Everybody sort of needs a sense of belonging, even, the, like, people rebelling, like, oh, I don't want to be, but it's like, you always find yourself in some sort of form of family. Right. And it's like, well, I'm like, you know, I had a lousy family, but it's like, but we, now it's like, we have two dogs, it's like, oh, we're just a family, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just with a couple of dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you have your perimeters, you have, yeah. you have your, your core uh, thing going on there, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's. I think tattooing is ours. Mm-hmm. We follow a lot of the honor and rules of old tattooing, and a lot of that is just do your best, be honest, 
No, there's people that fall. You have black sheep in the group, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's some real scoundrels that are in the tattoo business, horrible people. But the, the real successful, the people that we look up to, were very good-hearted and are, uh, gave all, their all. And uh, that's I, I consider the tattoo world our family. And it's pretty, it's fun. It's fun, it gives us strength, and, it, and it's always a moral road to go because you kind of just already know what you're going to do if this happens or that happens you know sometimes you get a little lost but you 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 know the most important thing is to hold that torch you know yeah and that's neat um i'm sorry but i just found that's that nice. it I was like, very I nice i kind of was a little speechless yeah. <laughs> uh there's something i want it's the go girl <laughs> <laughs> um madame chinchilla you uh, and uh, Kelly was telling me, actually, I missed this in my research, but that's why the brains of the operation is with me. <laughs> but you were doing tattoos for uh, women who had mastectomies, is uh -huh. that correct? Now, was that something you created, or has that been something that's already existed? I, well, I didn't know anyone that was doing it back then, but for sure somebody else had to have been. Because there's always someone that's doing things simultaneously. It's just that often we aren't communicating with one another. And there's so much communication now. Um, what do you think, Mr. G? Well, it was a, new, it was a whole movement. And, the the uh, mastectomy tattoo? Yeah, and to do other things than... Uh, it, it, there was no real... The big problem with mastectomies, being a man and talking about it is, you know, it's like talking about birth control. It's a woman's issue. But, but the thing that was uh, interesting, there was a woman here in town who, uh, Andrea O'Connor, was well educated and a good thinker. And she uh, had a double mastectomy. So there's a lot about losing that image. Uh, and uh, then rebelling against the thing that you should have it all reconstructed for a man, the man's world. To be a woman, you need to have big tits or tits or whatever. Right. And then to rebel against that is part of the, the, the tattoo movement because you can be beautiful without big mounds on you. And uh, so it's a, that whole movement was, you know, starting around some of the edge of the women's lib and the thinkers of the women's lib. And Chinchilla was fortunate to have... Uh, Andrea O'Connor be one of her first customers and actually I think she went on to Raphael what was the, what was the one with the well, red glasses she's she's she spoke out yeah. in the world um, through different media she was on the Faith Daniel show wearing a white blouse talking about her double mastectomy and on this show she opens up her blouse and exposes her tattooed chest. And you heard everybody go, oh! you know, they weren't expecting that on public television and they kept it there. It was really cool how the media was with her, but that's because she was very intelligent in how she uh, projected herself. Really intelligent. Well, you know about... what? They did a radio show. I just realized that. That she was part of a very uh, small, regional, uh, cutting edge radio show like what you're doing. 
And it was like, you know, it was this keen people who are into the real thought of things and not necessarily selling out to big, uh, whatever the standards are, the censors or the editors or whatever, they're doing their own thing. She would, they were, her and that guy named Ed were doing a great show where they would, uh, oh, yes. yeah, they were very edgy people and, and uh -huh. they just kind of spoke their truth. She was also in Ms. Magazine, mm -hmm. which is big, and uh, a German book on breast cancer. So, um, yeah, she was. So, and you were oh, the first one then, to really publish a lot about yeah, the tattoos. Yeah, I'm talking about it. I'm reporting to people what's going on. Um, and so, she's, yeah, we did that. And then also, we were on one of the first Discovery Channel tattoo documentaries. 19, early 1900s. Um, oh, no, no. no, no. You have a time um, machine. No, and that, it was no, in it was the mid 1990s. Yeah. 1990s. 97 <laughs> or 97. Yeah. So, and it was like one of the better documentaries. It's like when Discovery and That's cool. uh, History and Learning Channel were taking off. And they did a really nice uh, production on tattooing. And actually, we were really involved in that one. And, we uh, were. And we. Uh, <laughs> they had a bunch of footage and they had no one wanted to cooperate because the whole thing with media and tattooing is it used to be they couldn't trust people because they would go for that shock. We were talking about the face tattoos mm -hmm. before. They were trying to get people sucked in by the shock of things. So these guys in the old days, in the 50s or 40s, would let people come in and write about them and they'd make them out to be deviants and... and uh, they would, you know, just betray their trust and, and make them out to be yeah. idiots or whatever. Not idiots, but deviants. Yeah. So there was a real, and there's still not a big trust in the media because it, um, it makes it real too much information accessible to people that need to earn that information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that... And then I got lost again. <laughs> Could yeah. we take a little break sure. to do this? Definitely. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is uh, the is it the are they memorial tattoos? The, with that with ash, oh, with the human yeah. Because uh, I'd never heard of that. And that... yeah, Mr. Chi, don't don't share that part that we talk about how oh it's never gonna blah 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 you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, <laughs> I do know Jack Kerouac. It sounds like okay. some rambling yeah, bongo yeah. Just, shit. Just let, it, just let it be what we say about it, okay? The memorial. I'll let you do it. Okay. Yeah, you, we need more you in there. Yeah. yeah. I'm the one well, jacking. No, oh, you're great. Oh, my God. You just, I wish I was videoing you. You're just so cool, man. All right. Wow. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, he's just. Yeah. Is that sort of, is our memorial tattoos kind of a weird thing for people? Are we on? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, um, no, it's not as weird as I thought it would be for people. You know, I thought, oh my God, you know, if I ever mentioned that to people, they'd be like going to like this yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to me, but they didn't. <laughs> You know, not at all. Did you want to? Yes, I did. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for being aware. I appreciate that. How is that? So, because uh, so, it's 
the ash remains of someone's loved one yeah. or whatever, and they that's incorporated into the tattoo? Yes, we do. We take a small amount of the finest granules of the ash, and it is sterile. It's been purified by fire. Yeah. We just take a little bit and mix it in with the pigment and tattoo it under, you know, under the skin. And it's amazing for people. It's very, it's like medicine. And it comes from, it's ancient. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, it's animist and Buddhist. Wow. And it comes from the mountains uh, around Tibet. And we, we, we were introduced to the the concept of that when we were tattooed in Thailand and uh, the prayers uh, most when we went to Thailand all the tattooing was uh, we kept showing our tattoos when people were looking at like what the fuck oh why are you showing me that uh, there's no magic what was the word for that no oh, yeah. there was no magic in our tattoos there was no spirit there was no re- rhyme or reason it was just frivolous decoration their tattoos are all in, incorporated into their uh, religious beliefs and are done for all several reasons, you know, fertility, uh, prosperity, uh, you know, good, you know, good feelings, all these things that they need protection. protection. Yeah. yeah. So I had some, and it's a ritual and it's just a part of, of what was previously thousands of years ago, people were tattooing for reasons that involved their culture. So part of mourning was uh, the, the ancestors are very important. A lot of the older cultures, the ancestors are very important. So that was included in one of the tattoo procedures that was in uh, Burma and Thailand. And do, I'm supposed to keep that secret? or No. Oh, okay. No, so no. what they would do is because, you know, they, they would... Um, sometimes uh, cremate the bodies and everything. Mm-hmm. They would take a piece of flesh from the ancestor, the parent or grandparent, and they would hold that piece of flesh in their teeth, which borders back even more ancient into cannibalism because this is in Southeast Asia where people are actually cannibals, like the Philippines and Malaysia. So to hold that flesh in your mouth and, uh, and have that ceremony... Uh, would you bring a lot of that spirit into your soul? And it's not that much different than natives here. And uh, the whole Pacific Rim, a lot of the tattoo things are very similar. Uh, like people from Maori, uh, their, their number of lines they use, the thickness of the lines, goes up into the Eskimos and then comes across that old land bridge comes down to Northern California, spreads out into the Southwest, into Peru. I mean, it just, it's all the there. But anyway, so the ceremony and, and how we've lost some of those rituals and everything, it's, it's not that far out of reach, you know? It's, uh, and so we, we've kind of, may, uh, can I tell about the dog balls? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we castrated our pit bull so he wouldn't screw his own daughter. We, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had two dogs that weren't fixed, and, and uh, so I got, man, we got to 
this is we don't want this interbreeding to happen. So I castrated our dog, or took it to the vet, and he was a friend of mine. I ride motorcycles with him. I and I told him I wanted to eat the balls for strength, you know. And then uh, so I had the balls in a bag, and then I didn't realize when you eat balls off of animals, you have to skin the get the gland out. And then I got the flu, and I just didn't have the stomach to be skinning, uh, skinning, uh, taking out little glands out of this bunch of skin. So I threw it in the freezer, and then I lost my appetite for it. So then I came up with a whole idea. Well, because the pigments in India or in everywhere, they put amulets in that. They have like formulas for things. Like I was tattooed in in a very uh, cobra infested part of the world and they put cobra venom in uh, the pigment which goes all the way into vaccination so tens of thousands of years ago they were putting venom in their uh, their pigments uh, in California they were putting poison oak in the pigments wow. it gives you a tolerance I mean it was an understanding of primitive uh, healing and everything so anyway, I was making this joke about uh, tattooing myself for virility with my dog balls and stuff. And what I, I, was, I didn't want to eat them anymore, and they freezer burn and everything. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just incinerate them and then put them in some tattoo pigment and like they do in the jungles and have these. Yeah, they, they carry the ink over there in a medicine bag. And it's communal ink, which is real scary. And uh, I was tattooed with communal ink and out of a medicine bag. And uh, I went immediately and had a whole bunch of uh, blood work done. Because <laughs> I didn't want to all of a sudden sprout a big hump here or something, you know, or some big lesions or whatever. But yeah, that was a, that was a very uh, reckless moment on my part. We, we were really concerned about the needles, but that communal ink... Uh, could have been a, a situation because they were doing people with tuber diseases like tuberculosis or um, sexually transmitted diseases and stuff. Anyway, that's where we came up with the ashes stuff. What is the Tibetan, like what is the symbolism of the ash uh, in the tattoo? What does it mean for them? Uh, they like, don't even do it. Oh, they don't do it? <laughs> no, we just, we just twisted something ancient and made it modern. It's really incredible. Yeah, so we twisted something. And uh, it made it modern, and it works in our culture. It just works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, one of the last things, bef I you sign off, Miss, I was going to call you Miss Chinchilla. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every time I've written with you, you sign off uh, with Art with a Pulse, which I've, the first time I read it, and every time I see it, it just strikes me, and it's a really, I don't know, it's just really great, and I just wanted to ask you what that means for you, and what that, what, what, where that came from it's well I don't know it just came out of my head and uh, I use it as a, a hello and a goodbye <laughs> I, I love it it's a, and it it provokes thought it's a really great it, and that's what the purpose is I suppose yes there's a very famous tattooed person I'm not going to say his name but at a convention, he came to us and he says, I'm going to donate my skin to you when I die. And I, I looked at him and I said, well, we really appreciate that, but I'm certainly not interested in having that in our museum. 
and he said he he got very upset he said well i'm very famous you know and i said yes i know and see i and am interested in it we disagree on something oh no i would never have it and he said well why won't you do that and i said because i'm into art with a pulse not art oh. without a pulse so great and you would really want to have, I, I couldn't. Well, the, there's some, it's very interesting around, for yeah. me to see it. It doesn't creep me out. And uh, there are some things that from, uh, what do they call it, pathology, like in Japan. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that have in the 20s or teens or whatever, who have uh, other collectors that have tattoo collections. Occasionally they have one or two little pieces of skin and they sometimes they mount them on glass and they have a backlight. And it's really interesting to see the skin yeah. and see the, you can see the the uh, needle marks that went in there. You can see the cells and everything. And it's it's just very very interesting. I think I have one of those pictures. I saw some on I the saw, website. Yeah. And it was the old yeah. sleeve, and that was for identification during the wars when people were dying so fast and people didn't know who people were and. The forensic uh, uh, army surgeons and stuff would remove those for identification yeah. and then they accumulated and people were disturbed by it and stuff so oh. and, yeah <laughs> it shows the art and, and it's like because skin usually perishes right. and that's like whoa look at the nice work they did yeah. some of those portraits are nice for yeah. probably early 1900s I would like to say one more thing of course Thank you, Mr. G. Um, but I'd like to say one more thing about memorial tattoos. Since, um, since all these television programs, everybody's getting this and everybody's getting that. And one of the things that everybody is getting now is the in-memory tattoo. Um, one day we had this young woman come in and she had, her, her, she had a half a sleeve beautifully done with flowers and a name and it says forever rest in peace my sister you know she came in and she said I want to have this covered up and I said why and she said that her girlfriend and her were in a car accident and her girlfriend died and she immediately and she didn't she immediately got this tattoo in memory of her and now she looks at it every day and it's tearing her up inside. And so when, I, when people come here to get in-memory tattoos, I, I like to talk to them about it. You know, a lot of them want it right here, you know, so they can see, you know, forever, you know. Oh, it's just, it's a lot to carry under, under the third layer of your skin. And I've, um, I like to consult people on that before we do it because it's heavy. It's really heavy to carry that memory with you every day, right in your face. You yeah. Know? yeah, and I was Truly. just thinking about that. The research that was done on these tattoos where they held the flesh in their things, they never completed those tattoos. It was too, they called it too much magic, too much power people would go insane from it. Wow. So they never finished those tattoos. They are only partial tattoos. And that, I, I just re realized that parallel there. 
Yeah. And then I had a, I tattooed a, a Lakota elder from Pine Ridge, and he read the articles that Chinchilla wrote about the memorial tattoos and everything. And it was like, you know, for him that was okay, but they, they believed in uh, cleansing themselves and smudging themselves, and he recommended that we need to uh, dismiss all those spirits and memories and stuff from those people. It's, it could be a lot of juju in and a lot of mm -hmm. crazy magic and stuff. So we try to take it lightly. Opening one of them canisters of ashes is a. I had to get a goddamn uh, saw and a pry bars and shit. Tore the <laughs> hell out of that thing. They must have spent for a fifteen dollar container that cost them a few hundred dollars. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, yeah. But we try to make it lighter. And then the, uh, she brought up some things, something that bothers us a little bit about all the publicity and, and visibility of tattoos is people get too damn serious about it and they need to be a, a little bit lighter about it and tats, part of tattooing is for fun it's to be happy or just to have fun it doesn't have to mean all this big ass shit you know <laughs> but, but it does it does and you it know, doesn't it you know do. and, and and there's a trend we're talking about trends from television shows and everything that those trends are immediate. Like I uh, will have a trend. I go, why is everybody doing this? And I go, oh, it must have been on television last week. Of course. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, that, and that's cool to be in that close to that sort of thing going on. But the I, a lot of the older tattoo artists are going, can't people just get a tattoo because they want one? <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so the story behind it sometimes is. Uh, to us, it gets old, but that's part of our job. You know, like we don't, sometimes we don't want to hear the whole damn story. Because we've heard that a thousand times, right? Yeah. But it's okay. You know, it's just something that uh, we think is lacking right now. It's that whole, like, I want to do this because I'm reckless and it's crazy. Like, oh, my new tattoo here. I got one. No, it doesn't mean. It's a, it's a portrait. I like to get these self-portraits of myself. <laughs> and that's that's one of them. That's me on nitrous oxide. <laughs> and it's still dry, and I banged it into a, a bed. Uh, when it was brand new. One day old, I hit it harder than hell on a bed. So that little part there is where I hit still healing. But, yeah, I have little self-portraits of me everywhere, like under my arm I got when I had hair. And, mm -hmm. I have that, yeah, it's just a little something to do. Like, what am I going to get? Oh, I know, I'll get a crazy self-portrait. Yeah. I got a self-portrait of me in Mexico with uh, food poisoning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, uh, that's me drunk down there. So, you know, you kind of, that that's my little thing of doing sometimes when I run out of ideas, I go, I'll get a port self portrait of me, or a portrait of me <laughs> in a different phase, I think, like as a cartoon, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh. I I just wanted to say my two cents. I had always been like that, very much like all my tattoos have a lot of meaning. My first one's my initials, like everything has a lot of meaning. And then one day I was at a, a friend's tattoo studio and he had some new flash, and I'm gonna sh lift up my shirt now, so don't freak out, Matt uh. Meyer. <laughs> <But, laughs> I um I saw this 
It's just, it's a uh, snake with its head cut off. <laughs> the bone sticking out. Yeah, yeah. And wow. I was like, I want that, and I want it right here. Yeah, there yeah. you go. No, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I've never wild. seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's funnier than hell. No, that, and that's that, that whole trend of tattooing we're talking yeah. about, where they're taking old and blending new yeah. craziness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's uh, cool. What was it? <laughs> Big Daddy Ed Roth sort of stuff. That's what that one is. Right. It's taken off yeah. from that. And it's fun to have a little bit of everything. Um, anyway, yeah, that's our whole job is to listen. Yeah, and, yeah. and that was a, one of the first weeks uh, as an apprentice is you don't pop people's bubbles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't pop their bubble. I mean, you have to listen and give them what they want. And the other lesson was to do your best. Do yeah. your best you can. And so you can't do that if you're screwed up on alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. And when we came into it, it was just coming out of a 60s drug uh, alcoholic culture. And so the tattoo artists were, you know, shit, there's some great tattoo artists that would have a fifth right there by the leg of their chair. Whew. And they were great artists, Jeez. but, you yeah, know, yeah. not everybody can do that. And I think a lot of young people try to emulate that because yeah. they're into that rockabilly, they're into moonshine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so to, to, to wrap it up, um, mm-hmm. where, what is your website so people can... Oh, uh, W W W dot <laughs> just one dot, not three. TriangleTattoo.com. And uh, your museum is open Tuesday through No, it's open every day. Oh, every day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Seven seven days from, from noon till six or seven. Yeah. So we yeah. just been closing it recently because we're getting old and we want a day off. But <laughs> if they call Speak ahead we will make arrangements <laughs> if that's one of those days we want to screw okay. around, you know. And uh, so that's anything that they need to find, your books, your writing, all can be on the website, correct? Yes. Yeah. And you're in beautiful Fort Bragg, California. <laughs> Downtown Fort Bragg, Main Street, California. And one of the original historic Victorians. <laughs> yeah. I thank you very much for taking the time out to do this. I really... Cool. I'm well, so thankful. It was fun. Thank you very yeah, much. It was fun. Yeah. It was nice doing hey, that. Hey, one more thing. Yes. Be art with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed this show, please donate. Uh, buy, shop through Amazon. Shop through Amazon. Uh, I have an Amazon link there on the Feral Audio Conversations with Matt Dwyer page. Um, do all your Amazon shopping there. Follow me on Twitter. All the things you need to know about me are on themattdwyer.com. Thank you for listening. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.